<laughs> you guys realize, is that him singing? He just, he just picked it right up. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more singing the, I'm a banana. I'm a... All right. Hey, do you guys know that Easter is three weeks from today? Easter is getting close. We've got a really great Easter service planned for you. Uh, we put invite cards on your seats today. Uh, those for, are for you to bring home with you and give to a friend. Put in your cubicle at work for people to see. Uh, get your friends here. It's going to be a great day at Verve. So today, though, we're doing Verve Rocks. And we're going to start with a song quiz uh, from the aughts. Is that what they're called? The, the O's, the, the 2000s. Next week will be 2010s, 2000s. So we're going to play a song. We made them easy. These are not tough ones. And what I want to see is how quick you can identify it. Not can you, but how fast. Like I want a note or two. I want you to start yelling out what you know the song to be, right or wrong. You ready to do this? Here's the first song. American Idiot, got some Green Day. Somebody up here gets it very fast. Faster than you losers. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, all right, here is the second. Let's see how fast we can do this. There we go, Seven Nation Army, we're going to Wichita. There's the answer. Yes, all right, ready? Let's do this one fast. Ready for the third, here we go. I, she said Gaga, but that's not the name of the song, and it may just be something she yells out sometimes. We don't know. Poker face, Lady Gaga. All right, and the fourth. I don't know Oh, nice. Got some Gnarls Barkley. It is crazy. Yep. And uh, let's see how quick we can do this one. Ready? Good guy. Uh, like notes. Fifth. That's not the name of the song, uh, young lady. Uh-oh, since you've been gone, Kelly Clarkson. You're good at yelling out the wrong things. And here's the last one, the sixth song. Wrong answer again. Bye, bye, bye. All right, very good, you guys did pretty good. A little better than the first service, I think, maybe, maybe. Uh, so today the song that we are doing, because you and your friends voted for it, is Apologize by One Republic, which was their first hit ever, and uh, it was huge. Spent 25 weeks in the Billboard Top 10 in America. That is the longest a song had been in the Top 10 in about a decade. Uh, it was the number one song in 16 different countries and was the number one song in Europe for 14 straight weeks. And everyone asked, will One Republic be a one-hit wonder? Because it was their first song. Uh, no, they've since had 15 songs in the Billboard Top 20. What is the song about? Uh, here are some of the lyrics. It says, you tell me that you need me, then you go and cut me down, but wait. You tell me that you're sorry, don't think I'd turn around and say that it's too late to apologize. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, I don't trust my falsetto in this moment. All right, I, I don't either. Um, so the, the singer-songwriter, Ryan Tedder, uh, explains uh, where the song came from. When he was younger, like college age, he had four girlfriends in a row, and each girl broke up with him for the same reason. He was too nice. And each of them found a new guy and dated him. Turns out he was a jerk. And four times in a row, these girls went back to Ryan Tedder and said, I'm sorry, would you take me back? First time, yes. Second time, yes. Third time, yes. 
by the fourth time, and, and none of them are working out for him, by the fourth time, he's like, this, this, no. And so he tells the girl, look, it's too late to apologize. Bing! Went home, wrote the first hit that he ever wrote for his own band. And so the song is about someone um, saying they're sorry to you and you telling them it's too late to apologize. Because of what you've done, uh, we have moved past the option of apologies and reconciliation. You hurt me. Uh, we're through. You're done. Cancel. So the idea uh, with the series is that I'm going to teach you something from the Bible, from the song. You are not picking the songs that I want you to pick, by the way. Thanks for that. Um, but what, what I want to tell you today, I think might be a little dangerous for two reasons. Uh, one, you may not like it. You might not like what I say today. Um, and you might not like it because it is counter-cultural. Meaning what I'm going to tell you is not what you're being told by your culture. It's the opposite. But it is what God teaches us in the Bible. And what God says is always what's best for us. Um, what I'm going to teach you is dangerous, one, because you might not like it, two, because you may misunderstand it. You may think that I'm saying something that I'm not saying. I'm going to try to make sure that doesn't happen, but it would help if you really like tune in and listen today uh, for that not to happen, okay? All right, so how about, how about this? I'll just tell you the main point right up front, and then we'll kind of get into it and talk about it. Here's, here's the main point. Cancel the sin, not the person. Cancel the sin, not the person. So we live in a cancel culture. And I, I know you know what that means, but just in case, what does it mean? Here is the technical definition. Uh, cancel culture is a phenomenon in which those who are deemed to have acted or spoken in an unacceptable manner are ostracized, boycotted, or shunned. So it may be a well-known person, like a celebrity or a politician or an athlete, or it might be a friend of yours uh, or, or a family member. Uh, maybe you find out that this friend or family member votes different from you. You didn't know. Or you find out that they have a different uh, view on COVID or on the vaccine or, or, or that this person did something wrong, sinned in some way. They say or do something that's unacceptable and we cancel them. Like we're, we're done, right, with, with this person. It may be that the person, um, the, the questionable thing they said, they said it 20 years ago. Like social media uncovers something somebody said decades ago, still canceled. It, it may be that this person has done good and been a good person for decades, but then they do one thing wrong, canceled, canceled. It's like we reduce the person to their worst moment. So when someone sins or if someone sins against you, canceled. And I think we like it. I think we like canceling people because it feeds off our anger. In fact, it can be a feeding frenzy where we're all directing our anger at the same person. And, and, and anger feels good. And I think we like it because when you cancel someone, uh, what you're saying to yourself is, I'm better than them. Right? And we like to feel better. If I can cancel you, well, then I am better than you. So there is a French philosopher named Rene Girard. 
uh, this guy, he looks like a French philosopher, doesn't he? Like if you saw him somewhere, like in an airport, you'd be like, I bet that guy's a French philosopher, isn't he? Just look at him, right? So he calls this whole cancel culture thing, he calls uh, canceling people the scapegoat mechanism. But probably the way he says it is the scapegoat mechanism. Um, I, I learned my French from Pepe Le Pew on the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Like I trained for years under Pepe Le Pew, so I could do that for you today. The scapegoat mechanism. Um, so he's referring to something in the Bible, actually. He's a philosopher, but he's actually talking about something in the Bible, um, which, by the way, is where the word scapegoat comes from, comes from the Bible. So in the Bible, in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, um, we learn about something that happened every year for the Israelite people. Um, in in uh, this one day of year that was called the Day of Atonement, Day of Atonement, the word atone literally means to erase. It just means to erase something, okay? So on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, which the, the Israelites had back then, um, he would take a goat and in front of all the people, like the whole nation would all gather for this special ceremony, he would take the goat in front of all the people, uh, we'll put it on the screen, he will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specifically chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. They would just kind of like send it away. And, and as they sent it away, all the people who had gathered would all be like, yeah, we hate that goat. That goat sucks. Except, no, really, you suck. You're the one who's guilty of all the sins. The goat didn't do anything, right? You suck. But by putting all of our sins on the goats, we're able to not feel guilty anymore because our sins are gone. Uh, scapegoat literally means the goat that, is, that goes away. That's what the word scape, a scapegoat, um, it's the same word that we get escape from. Um, and so it's the goat that goes away. And that's exactly what they did. They would send the goat out of the city, like away from us civilized people. And, um, and that's, that's kind of the beauty of it, right? Like we put all of our sin on the goat and then we send it away and we don't have to think about our sin anymore. It's gone. It's left. Yay. And smart people like Rene Girard are saying the reason cancel culture is so popular is because by putting the spotlight on someone else's sins, we can ignore our own. Right? We can all go, yeah, we hate that guy. That guy sucks. He did something awful. You haven't. But by pointing out his sin, we don't have to think about or feel guilty about our own. And canceling people is the way of our culture. But it's not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Jesus. So I want you to think for a minute, um, and, and you may not be familiar with the Bible. One of the really cool things about Verve and Verve Online is we get lots of people who are new to faith, Christianity, Bible, it might be you. But um, if you do know, I want you to think for a minute about people in the Bible who wronged, who misjudged, who lied about, who abandoned, who sinned against, who hurt 
Jesus, okay? There's tons. I'll just give you a, a list of some of them. Um, there is Herod. He was the king when Jesus was born, and he tried to kill Jesus at Jesus' birth. Uh, there were the people in Jesus' hometown who rejected Jesus and tried to kill him. Uh, there's, there's the rich young ruler who Jesus said, come, follow me, be one of my disciples. And the rich young ruler is like, nah, I'm not going to follow you because I love money more than I love you. Um, there's the Pharisees. They were the religious leaders who lied about Jesus and so arranged to have him killed. There was Judas. Um, he was Jesus' friend, really good friend, who betrayed him. There was Peter, Jesus' friend, who denied even knowing him. Uh, Pontius Pilate, he was the, the Roman government official who gave the order for Jesus to be executed. And there were the Roman soldiers who were the ones who drove the nails through Jesus' hands and feet and put him on the cross. And Jesus didn't cancel any of them. Right? They, they were wrong. They wronged Jesus. But with Jesus, just because you're wrong doesn't mean you get canceled. With, with Jesus, it was never too late to apologize. Jesus didn't cancel people. He loved them. He forgave them. Jesus never reduced anyone to their sin. With Jesus, you were not defined by your worst moment. Like, like he was able to see beyond that. He saw the person's heart. He saw who God created this person to be and who he knew they could become. And so he didn't cancel them. He canceled their sin. He, meaning, he did not count their sin against them. So, what if, what if, instead of canceling the person, what if we canceled the sin? There's a verse in the Bible, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Put on the screen, it says, um, love covers over a multitude of sins. That's what Jesus did with all those people who wronged him. And man, I am so glad because I need to add one more person to that list. Me. Because I have been wrong, and I have lied, and I have abandoned, and I have betrayed, and misjudged, and sinned against, and hurt Jesus. And I am so grateful that Jesus did not cancel me, that he chose to forgive me and continue to forgive me. And aren't you grateful? Because if it's cool, I'm going to add one more person to the list. You. You right? You have betrayed Jesus, abandoned Jesus, sinned against, and hurt Jesus. But he continues, if, if you just let him, he'll continue to forgive you. Jesus didn't cancel you. He canceled your sin. And that's what we are called to do for others. We cancel the sin, not the person. Now, um, Now's a good time to do this. So remember I said you might misunderstand me, and you might leave here thinking I said something I didn't say. Let's, let's um, take a moment to do that. Um, so here's what I don't mean, and here's what I'm confident God doesn't mean. If there's a crime or you've been abused as a Christian, you don't report it. No, you report it. 
Uh, there, there is a time and a place where you have to take certain things to the proper authorities because there's danger or a need for justice. Uh, what I don't mean is, um, as a Christian, you, you, you have to stay in an abusive relationship. No. Sometimes people feel like, well, you know, as a Christian, as somebody who's supposed to forgive, I have to stay in this relationship. I have to. Or, or maybe they feel like, I, don't, I, I can't like, be, get out of it. That's not love. We're called to love. That's not love. That's enmeshment. Enmeshment is a, um, an unhealthy attachment to someone. It, he sings about this in the song. So in um, Ryan Tedder in, in Apologize, he talks about this rope that he's connected to this other person. And he says, but the rope has me hanging 10 feet off the ground. The idea is like this relationship is killing me. And so if you came to me and, and told me, hey, I um, have this boyfriend and he's abusing me, I would not say, well, as a Christian, you stay in that relationship. No, I would, I would say, get out. Um, if your business partner keeps stealing money from you, man, don't be business partners with that person anymore. That's not what I mean. And I don't mean that if a person is in a position where they are abusing people and continuing to abuse people, we leave them in that position because as Christians, we, we're, we're forgiving. No, you remove a person from a position where they're abusing people. You still could choose to forgive the person, to, to not hold their sin against them, but that doesn't mean necessarily that the person shouldn't be fired or reported to the proper authorities. It doesn't mean you stay in a relationship where you continue to be abused. Got it? Makes sense? We good? Okay, I don't want everybody to leave and go, oh, I, I got to keep, no, no. Um, because there, there, are, there are people, when I say people, I mean Christians, who, and, and it's often well-meaning, they're trying to, you know, be this loving, forgiving person, but they think it means, um, so I can't tell on the priest who's abusing kids. No, that's, that's not what this means, okay? But even still, even still, even with all that, we cancel the sin, not the person. Okay. But what do you do with the person, right? Okay, we're not going to cancel this person who hurt us, who sinned against us, who said something stupid or horrible to us. What do you do with that person if you, if you can't cancel them? Well, if, if you follow culture, you cancel them. But if instead you follow Jesus, you love him. We love him. And to be super clear, we don't get to decide what love is. I, I think a lot of times in our culture, um, it's like um, we think we get to define things. And so it's like, well, I love him, but I'm not going to this. And I, I love the person, yeah, but don't ask me to whatever. Or I, I love the person, but that doesn't mean you don't get to decide what love is. You don't get to define it. God does. Um, I want to show you a passage that, that defines, describes for us what love does. And it's funny because it's a passage you've heard if you've ever gone to a wedding, because it's, it's at weddings all the time. But it's not, it's, it's like, oh, it's sweet, because the word love's in it a lot. It's not sweet. This is like a messy, like tough tough. This should be a passage tonight. We go, oh, somebody should get married. This should be a passage where like, seriously, this is, this is how we're called to live? This is hard. Um, so check it out. So it says love. Here's what love actually does. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what love actually does, okay? Uh, love, um, I mean, that, that's what it looks like to love a person who has sinned against you or sinned in some other way. Um, what do you do? You keep no record of wrongs. And so love doesn't keep track. It doesn't keep score. It doesn't remind somebody. It's like, that, no, that's gone. It's, it's canceled. Um, you don't dishonor others, even if maybe they kind of deserve it. It's like, they don't deserve my honor. Well, if you love, though, you, you honor the person. Um, it says, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Notice always. It's not saying sometimes. It's not saying if it's convenient. It's not saying if the person behaves. When, when the person, no, always, all the time, in every situation, love protects. Um, so it's interesting. This is written in Greek. We have it translated into English for us because we speak English. Uh, but the Greek word um, that we have translated protects, it means to put a roof on. So literally what it says is love puts a roof on. Um, kind of weird, but the idea is that you're covering something. You're not letting it get exposed, um, which doesn't mean we ignore people's sins, okay? It means that when you have somebody and they uh, have a flaw or they fail in some way, you do not use that to expose the person or shame them. Love never does that. Um, and, and so we publicly, we cover them, and then privately, graciously, we restore that person who has sinned. It says, love always trusts. And, and so um, if you love somebody, you're never on a motive witch hunt. Do you ever find yourself doing this where you're like, I, I know what you really meant. I know why you did that. Love, love never does that. Love trusts. Love looks for and believes the best in people says, love always hopes. And so love recognizes that we are all works in progress. None of us is where we need to be yet. We're all hopefully moving in that direction. And so instead of judging you for where you are right now, I am going to hope in God for who you're going to become. And it says, love always perseveres. So it doesn't retaliate or reject. It doesn't say, I'm done with you, because love is bigger than that. Love endures. Love, love does not quit. If you follow Jesus, not culture, you don't cancel someone for their sin. You love them despite their sin. Easy, right? Like you read that and you're like, oh, this is, this is easy. No, this is not easy, is it? It's not easy at all if you actually try to live this out with people. And I know it's not easy because I don't just get to go up and tell people this from a stage. Like, I have to live this way. And I, I've had lots of times where I'm like, okay, I have to live this way. Um, here, here's just one example. So um, years ago, I, before starting Verve here in Las Vegas, I started a church in Virginia Beach. Um, one of the first people I became friends with uh, became the first person who came to faith in our church that we started. First person who, you know, came to belief in Jesus and got baptized and everything. It was really cool. I really invested in this guy, um, like in lots of ways. We had him over at our house all the time for like holidays because he was a single guy. And we'd be like, oh, come over like for the holiday, you know, come to have Thanksgiving, come have Christmas, whatever. Um, he was in my men's small group. There's five of us who met every week. And so um, there was this one point a year or so into this relationship um, where he um, he sinned 
in like a significant way um, hurt people. Um, and uh, he came to our group, and we didn't know, and he told us. He, he like confessed to us this thing he had done that hurt this person. Um, and so we all just kind of sat there in silence for a second. And then I said, I was like, man, thank you for sharing that. Like that had to be really hard. Like I, I don't think most people would have said, they just would have kept it a secret. Thank you for sharing that. And I looked him right in the eye. I was like, I love you. Like this doesn't change anything. I love you. And I'm going to support you through this. And I think that you should try to figure out how to make this right. Like, would you be open to us in our group today just trying to figure out how you could make this right? Like, we'd come up with a plan. He said, sure. We came up with a plan on how he could try to make what he had done right. Um, when we left that day, I gave him a big hug. I'm not a hugger. Some of you like to um, tell me that or make fun of me or give me hugs and say, ah, you didn't like that, did you? Um, but I'm not a hugger, but I gave him a big hug because I wanted him to know. And I, I said, and I don't say this a lot either. I'm just not a guy. I said, man, I love you. And he left. And he went out and he told all kinds of people in our church that he had confessed this sin in our group. And then I looked him right in the eye and said, I hate you and that I told him that I could never forgive him for what he had done. It blew up. Uh, people started calling, demanding meetings. People are saying, how dare you? And I'm like, I daren't. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Um, and pe people end up leaving our church forever, never came back because of it. Um, so here, here's what I never said to anybody. I never said, he's a liar. He lied to you. You can't trust him. And, and it wasn't a he said versus he said. There were three other people in the group. They were there for all of it. Um, I even went to them and said, did I say any, am I forgetting something? Did I say something that could be construed in that way? And they're like, no. Like, you were, it, you were weird, Vince. You were like, I love you. I love you. And, um, and so... Uh, so all these people who came demanding meetings and, and all angry, um, I, what I kept saying to them was, I don't, I don't know why um, he said what he did. You're going to have to ask him. Here's what I know. Um, he has gone through a rough time right now. Um, I've gone through rough times. You've gone through rough times. I know that I would not want to be judged for what I say in my worst moments. And um, I, don't, I don't think you should do that. I can tell you I didn't tell him I hate him. And I did not say I uh, wouldn't forgive him. I love him. He's still my friend. Um, so I call him, and I'm like, um, hey, can we get together? <laughs> because this is, this is pretty weird. And so we get together, and we're sitting there, and I said, man, what's going on? Like, you know that's not what I said, right? Like, that's not even close to what I I mean, the other three guys were in the room. They know what I said. I, I told you I, I loved you and I would support you. Like, wh what's going on? And he just sat there, silence, looking at me, didn't say a word, looked down. Um, I said, come on, it's me. Like, <laughs> you can talk to me, it's me. And um, he eventually explained, he said, I don't know. I, I think I just feel so bad about myself that it made me feel better to make you look bad. I, I, that's the only way I can explain it. And um, he said that, and then he said, I know that I've lost your trust. And I said, you have not lost my trust. He's like, of course I did. I'm, I'm like, you haven't lost my trust. Um, he said, I know that you know, you're not going to want to still be friends with me. And I said, of course I still want to be friends with you. 
And we stayed friends. And not only that, but a year or two later, I actually hired him. Um, I hired him to work for me at the church. Um, I know it's hard. So my question is, um, who in your life, maybe someone from your past, maybe your recent past, maybe somebody like right now, who in your life have you canceled? Uh, Who, maybe they reached out to you and you said, it's too late to apologize, or maybe they haven't reached out and you're like, maybe I'll forgive them someday if they apologize. Who have you canceled? You know, it's not easy, um, but what we do with those people is we cancel their sin, not the person. Why? Well, we do that because isn't that what we want people to do for us, right? When you say the thing that you wish you didn't say, when you do the thing that's out of character for you, don't you hope that people would do that for you? More importantly, we do that because we follow Jesus, and that's what Jesus did. And we do it because that's what we want Jesus to do for us, right? For you, for me. It's like, please, 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 Jesus, cancel my sin, not the person. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus was doing on the cross. So you you remember that the Pharisees lied about him, Judas betrayed him, the Roman soldiers come and arrest him, Pilate sentenced him to death, Uh, and then what happened was the Roman soldiers forced him to carry his cross out of the city and, uh, and outside the city, they nailed him to the cross. Do you know what was happening? Jesus was becoming our scapegoat. That was our day of atonement, the day that Jesus died. Um, remember, I said the word atone means to erase. Look what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. It says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus erased our sins. How? how? Well, he took all of our sins, all of our guilt, all of our shame, and it was all put on him. Um, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In the Old Testament, after uh, all the sin was laid on the scapegoat, it was considered unclean, and so it was despised. Um, People would literally, they would yell at it and curse it, and it was cast out, out of the city, and it was led away into the wilderness. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus was taken outside of the city, and people yelled, and they mocked him, and they chanted, crucify him crucify him, crucify him, and then they did. And the Bible um, says it this way in Isaiah chapter 53. It says he was despised and rejected. He poured out his life unto death. Others thought he was a sinner, but he suffered for our sins and asked God to forgive us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the sins of us all. So our sin, your sin, um, is put on Jesus if you say yes. 
Why do you have to say yes? Why, why doesn't he just do it for everyone? Because that's not what love does. Love never forces itself on anyone, right? We would say that's not love if you force yourself on someone. And Jesus is not going to force himself or, or his wishes on you. You have to say yes. And if you say yes, he takes all of your sin on himself. How do you say yes? Um, Jesus said through belief and baptism. Um, look at Mark 16, 16. Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So you say yes by believing, by putting your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you, by believing and by being baptized. A person is baptized when because of their faith as a commitment to Jesus, they're lowered underwater and then they're raised up out of the water. And so we are doing baptisms here on April 2nd. It's going to be part of our, our party in the parking lot. Um, if you are interested in that, um, you can go to verve.cc. If you don't live in Las Vegas and you're thinking, man, I'd like to get baptized, we'll work that out for you. Go to verve.cc, click the baptism link. And that's not committing to do it. That's saying, contact me. I will reach out to you. Uh, I'll email you, call you, whatever, whatever you give me for contact info. And you may, some people are like, I just got questions and I answer questions. Some people are like, I'm ready to do it. And I'll tell you how we do it and what you need to know. Um, man, if you never have, may, maybe you believe in Jesus, you've believed in Jesus, but you've never been baptized. Or maybe like you never have understood it. And today you're like, oh, oh, I get it. Man, why don't you say yes? Why don't you get baptized? What if you don't? Well, then your sin is still on you. Why? Because you chose for it to be. That's not God's desire, but you chose for it to be. And, and your, your sin is still on you, and it still separates you from God now and going into eternity. But man, but Jesus wants you to say yes. <laughs> he wants you to say yes because he wants to forgive you because he is love, and that's what love does. That's why um, Jesus did not cancel, check this, the people who crucified him. They, they nailed him to the cross, they put him up, and the next scene we see Jesus forgiving the people who crucified him. And then as Jesus is dying on the cross, there's a criminal who's being crucified right next to him. And this guy was guilty. And he's, be, he's being crucified because he's paying the price for his sins. But at the last minute, he comes to faith in Jesus. And, and he asks Jesus to forgive him. And Jesus says, it's too late to apologize. No, that is not what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 23, 43, so Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And if we say yes, all of our sin is put on Jesus so that we can be with him in paradise. With Jesus, is never, is never too late to apologize. And I want to um, give you a no, two, two, three minutes um, right now just to pray on your own um, here in the room, watching at home, um, because I, I think the most appropriate response uh, to this would, one, be to thank Jesus. And we probably don't do that enough, but to thank Jesus for what he did for us on our day of atonement. Um, and so it's a chance for you to do that. And then second, um, during this time, you might want to ask God, um, who have I canceled? Now, I'm asking you not to cancel me, just to cancel my sin. Who have I canceled because of their sin? Who do I need to go to and apologize or give forgiveness? Who do I need to reconcile with? 
Um, during this time, we also have communion available in the room. It's on the tables in the back, and um, it's a piece of bread and a cup of juice that remind us of Jesus' body and blood, and it's just a, a tangible way that we can remember what he did for us and take it in. And so if you'd like to take communion, um, you're welcome to go back and get it and bring it to your seat when you're ready, okay? So let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll give you some time to pray on your own. Cool? God, I am so, um, I'm so grateful that you are the kind of God who cancels the sin, not the person. That you looked at me with all of my sin, with all my rejection of you, and your response was love and forgiveness. God, maybe there's someone right now in this room, maybe there's someone watching online who um, has just never said yes. You're, you're not going to force your love, you're not going to force forgiveness on us, but you, you offer it. Maybe there's someone who wants to say yes, to put their faith in your son. It's that simple. Just God, yes. I put my faith in Jesus as my forgiver and as my leader. And I want to follow him the rest of my days. I say yes. God, if there's someone who just said yes, um, we know that there's a party in heaven that happens when that person is baptized. We look forward to April 2nd, getting to celebrate that. And maybe there's someone in our life that you need to remind us that we've canceled and need to, to reconcile with. Would you be with us as we enter in this time of prayer, God, and help us to, um, to sense exactly what you're saying to us and what we need to do. We pray in Jesus' name.